and welcome to episode 832 of the Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, July 20th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today. It's been a while since we've had a solo episode, and I'm talking pitching today. Put out my latest rankings back on Friday. I said we'd have either an article or a podcast covering those, and this is that podcast. So basically, I'm going to go over a bunch of the movers and shakers up and down, just talk about some players in general. Uh, I think I'll start uh, with the outliers, the, the the big movers up, big movers down, and then kind of get into some, some general stuff um, or, or some more talk about different players, regardless of where they move necessarily. But let's start with the big movers. Some of them are obvious. We'll get into that uh, quickly. Alex Wood was the biggest mover, moving up 64 spots from 127 to 63. I think just the security of having a spot, uh, me knowing exactly what's going on with him, obviously pitching with the Dodgers he's going to be a part of their rotation now we know what's up and honestly with regards to Wood it's never really about performance like his I I don't want to say uh that his performance is is unimpeachable but it's 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 a lot like his former teammate Hunjin Ryu wherein he's pretty much always good unless there's an injury concern Um, you know, he threw 35 and two thirds last year and it was bad 5.80 RA 140 whip. But again, there was an injury. If you look beyond that, if you just add up, uh, 2013 through 2018 for Alex Wood, he's a 329, 121 ERA whip combo with a 22% strikeout rate over the course of 803 innings. So I think we can comfortably kind of ignore last year as far as being indicative of skill. I mean, he had a 2.8 homer per nine, for crying out loud. Um, So I'm not too worried about that. I think a clean bill of health, which is what we've got right now from Alex Wood, and a return to a team that he's had a lot of success with, that draws a lot of success out of their pitchers, has me feeling relatively confident about Alex Wood. He also threw, I think, uh, I think he had like a 90-pitch intra-squad outing, which means he's ready and raring to go. So hopefully they trust him for five, six innings uh, right at the outset here of the season. Speaking of the Dodgers, my second biggest mover should not surprise anybody. 62-spot jump for my boy Ross Stripling. And this has everything to do with the fact that David Price opted out and Stripling becomes the obvious fit into that, uh, into that rotation with the exit of Price. And uh, let me see here if there's any latest news on him. I think Stripling's getting the second start because right now Bueller's not ready to go. Now, one thing I do wonder is will Stripling be trusted for five plus innings every time out? That's something that they haven't necessarily shown. Of course, that's when they had more depth. Their depth is a bit challenged right now, but not completely they still have Dustin May um Dennis Santana and uh, there was another one who is oh Bruce Dargraderall that are going to be on the roster that are recent starters um oh I guess they moved Tony Gonsolin out too I was like there's another one too but it was Tony Gonsolin and I'm not showing him on roster resource now I'm showing I'm actually showing Dennis Santana in lieu of Gonsolin but the bottom line is they do still have you know recent starters who are going to be in that bullpen and could definitely cut into the the workload of guys like Julio Urias, Alex Wood, and Stripling, and I guess Bueller, at least at the outset, because again, he's ramping up. We'll see what happens 
with him. But I had to move Stripling up, and you guys know I'm a huge fan of his. Now that he has a role, you know, if he if he had gone to the Angels, as that trade was uh, was speculated, he'd have already always been in my top 50. So now I've got him at 41. I just love what he does on, on a per inning basis. I'm going to go ahead and trust him at least at the outset here. So I'm drafting him as a top 50 starter and I'll make an adjustment if I need to, if it turns out that uh, May is being piggybacked with him or Gonsolin or, or however it goes. But I think right now he's angling, Stripling is, to be a standard starter, getting five to six innings at a clip. And he's going to be the second starter uh, for them this year going up against the Giants in that first start and the schedule you know the league is such with 60 games that you know a great start or two at the very front end as far as the schedule goes is enough to take somebody you know I know sometimes we do that in standard leagues uh, standard meaning a uh, a full six-month season I think sometimes we will do that with like a last pick hey I'll take him I'll use him for a couple weeks here and there i think this year it should almost be a full-on strategy once you get past your first handful of guys maybe your first four or five starters then you really start looking at the schedule and you say okay i'll take a lesser talent on a per pitch basis uh because he has just as an example because it actually won't work this way but baltimore and seattle obviously you have to stay in your league well we'll say baltimore and Miami, even though I like that Miami team a little bit, I'm obviously not running from them um, when any pitchers face them. So if they open up like Baltimore, Miami versus maybe somebody who's opening up Oakland and the Dodgers, even if the guy facing Oakland and the Dodgers might be better than the Baltimore, Miami guy, I'm taking the Baltimore, Miami guy. So Wood and Stripling are my two biggest movers. They're the only two guys moving up 60 plus spots. This next one's super obvious. Spencer Howard moves up 57 spots to 101 that's entirely based on the fact that he would have moved up in my last my my very end of march uh rankings like just before the season was going to kick off because he was being discussed as possibly breaking camp and here we are again with some discussion that maybe he could break camp for the phillies and if not he should he should be up a week in i think a week uh, a week of games is what we're seeing for the uh, timetable to get that extra year of of um, uh, of service time. So somebody like Howard, Nate Pearson, um, Joe Adele, Nick Madrigal, those guys are going to be down for at least at least the hour, and we'll see if it's going uh, at hour at least the week. Uh, at least the week, and we'll see where they go from there. So I didn't, I didn't move Howard into a spot where it's like you must draft him in every league format um, at 101. But for the most part, yeah, at least as a reserve. So I'm pretty happy to see uh, see what's going on with him. And I think they need him, frankly. I really think Philly needs him if they have any hopes at a playoff spot because I really, really don't like their rotation. Next up is Corbin Burns for the Brewers. Remember last year, it was kind of a Burns versus Woodruff situation. I ended up coming out on the Woodruff side, and he panned out. And, you know, that's not like a victory lap thing because even if you didn't love Burns, you didn't see, and I'll say this for myself, even though I didn't I didn't love him as the pick for the fifth spot, I didn't see him melting down the way he did with a 3.1 homer per nine and a 414 BABIP. That led to 12.9 hits per nine. 
So he had just a disastrous 49 innings there that, that couldn't have gone worse. And yet his core skills, a 30% strikeout rate and a 9% walk rate, 17% swinging strike, were still such that you saw the talent. Those who were in on Burns over Woodruff, you understood why. And I always said at the end of that, as we were coming down the stretch, I'm going to draft whoever wins that battle. Um, it just so happened to be Woodruff. Now I'm in on Burns, though, too. I'm still in on Woodruff. But now Burns is angling for a spot, and I think he's going to get one here, um, especially with Brett Anderson dealing with a, a blister right now. I think that absolutely opens up the position for Burns to get a spot, plus Eric Lauer, who they traded for in the offseason, has corona. So if he was angling for a spot, if, if Lauer was, now all of a sudden Burns and Freddie Peralta could get spots. And I think Peralta moved up a decent bit too. I only moved him up 18 spots, but I already had him at 118. So I moved him up to 100 flat. Meanwhile, Burns moves up 53 spots to 92. So that's where I'm at with those two Phillies. Um, and those are the only guys to move up at least 50 spots. The other guys, if you're talking about 15-team leagues, there's two other guys who moved up at least three rounds, a.k.a. 45 spots or more. And Austin Voth is another one of those kind of obvious ones. I was liking him already as somebody to keep a close eye on and at least watch list him, but I wasn't necessarily uh, drafting him in a ton of leagues because Joe Ross was there. Well, Joe Ross opted out, and... I think that opens up the door for Voth. Now, we sh we show on roster resource that Eric Fetty might get that spot. And let me see if I can find any latest news on that. Uh, but I moved Voth up 48 spots to 90. So he's definitely somebody to take a look at now. He's impressing in the starter competition. He's competing with Fetty. Right now, latest news as of yesterday, the 19th, says that they're battling back and forth. And it doesn't have uh, a pick. Now, we only list five. Uh, on Roster Resource, Jason just puts, you know, he puts five guys in there. He doesn't necessarily, unless they're doing a six-man, a six man, he doesn't list the guys who are right there on the cusp. Meanwhile, some other sites that do their, um, that do their depth chart will list a sixth or a seventh if there is a big competition. But I like Voth quite a bit. had to get a drink there in fact i'm gonna leave the water bottle open y'all already know the solo casts they require some uh some drinks from from time to time and, and that was the first uh but yeah austin voth someone to keep an eye on again if he doesn't win the spot put him on your watch list because if fetty flops or if an injury strikes then they have no choice but to turn to voth as far as i'm concerned but i really think he could win that fifth job um next up the only other guy that also moved up uh, at least 45 spots for a total of, of six is Kyle Wright, but only up to 119. So I was, you know, pretty much out on him at 166. I moved him up to 119 just because he's kind of, uh, you know, he's kind of he's kind of lingering there as somebody who will likely make the club, but I don't know if he's going to be a starter. Um, the Cole Hamels news is part of partly why I moved him up, although it looks like well. Actually, the Cole Hamels news might get him in the rotation. Wright's one of their best pitching prospects because Newcomb's going to get a job already. Pardon, I thought I thought Newcomb was taking the Hamels role, but it looks like he's going to have one as is. So it's going to be Soroka Freed, 
Fulte, Newcomb, and then Wright, Bryce Wilson, Josh Tomlin kind of battling it out. So um, I, between Wright and Wilson last year, I was more of a Bryce Wilson guy. It didn't work. I think Josh Tomlin belongs in the bullpen. I think he definitely um, he, he definitely showed last year that, like, okay, starting, he can still be a spot starter when he needs to, but he really excelled as a reliever, and I think they want to kind of keep him there. And I don't even know that they can expect a repeat of the 374 ERA he had last year. So even that is a little bit suspect. So I, I would think Wright versus Wilson are the uh, are the two guys to go for uh, or, or to keep an eye on if you're looking at that. And if you're in a deep enough league, you might consider drafting both. But I moved right up only to 119. That's not a huge indication of, hey, I love this guy. I also moved Wilson up 37 spots to 132 to tell you where I'm at with him. Um, let's look at some other guys moved up within the top, say, 60. Some big moves there. Now, now instead of going... Uh, by the largest move, I'm just going to go by the highest rank. So let me go, let me sort this here. And we see, uh, I moved Carlos Carrasco up 25 spots from 59 to, or excuse me, up 34 spots to 25. And that's based on the fact that he's playing and ready to go. You know, when I, when I ranked him down there at 59, I almost didn't even include him because I was like, well, he's, you know, he's a pretty heavy at risk player. Are, is he going to sit out? And no, he's not. He's deciding to play. And he's uh, actually going to start the third game of the season for Cleveland as well. So that's why I moved him up. I understand some folks that are still nervous about him. But I'm not. Um, I mean, insofar as I'm nervous about anybody. Yes, he does carry a bit more risk. Carrasco does as as an at-risk guy for Corona. But I'm not... I'm not going to scale him down the rankings because of that. I'm going to take him. I'm going to take my shot because the talent is still overwhelming with Carrasco, and that's why he got a big move up. And then next up, we would have, let's see, scrolling down, 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 down. Ross Stripling, I already talked about him. I guess within the top 60, there's only, oh, there's a bunch here. Okay, in the 50 to 60 range, there's another little handful here that moved up. Uh, and I, the the baseline that I'm kind of using here is like a double digit move, um, so it's it's Carrasco, Stripling. The next up is Garrett Richards from 81 to 52. Now I was kind of parking him a little bit at the 81 spot. If you've been following my work for any amount of time, you know my obsession with Garrett Richards and my desire to uh, see him stay healthy, have a big season. Well, it can only be so big in a 60 gamer. However. I do think they're going to take the reins off and just say, empty the tank, dude. Whatever you got, hook us up. And that's what they're going for here. Um, they've already said no limitations. He's healthy right now. He's been pitching in summer camp. He should be good to go. Now we are one, two, three, four. <laughs> the last time he went over 76 innings, or seven, 77, I guess, because he threw 76 in the third uh, was 2015. It's been a while. Now, I will grant you that he does not need to reach triple-digit innings count this year to finish the season, so that's good. However, the shortness of the season does not eliminate the injury risk. It's just less time that he has to stay healthy. So I'm hoping that he can hit the ground running, 
have a big campaign. I moved him up to account for the fact that I love the talent and I'm willing to take him. Um, now that we've got now that we've gotten things a little bit more stabilized, that's why he moved up. You know, obviously these moves came with um, so plenty of these moves came without any real action. It's just okay. So why'd you move him up? What happened to Garrett Richards? Just the confidence of okay, I'm gonna take this shot. I, I think the talent's there uh, to make him worth taking the shot. So let's go ahead and do it. And that's what we're doing with Garrett Richards. Elsewhere. Just a few spots after that is A.J. Puck moving from 85 to 54, a 31-spot jump. And this would be confidence that he's going to start, whereas there was a little bit of trepidation back in March uh, with regards to his health. Oh, no, 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 no. Never mind. Never mind. He's going on the I.L. with a shoulder strain as of t the news is from today. All right. Well, don't take A.J. Puck. <laughs> that stinks. That really stinks. Uh, it looks like uh, Daniel Mangden will take the spot. Let's see. He's been dealing with shoulder injuries since the spring. Free limitations during summer camp, however, resurfaced. Dr. Neil Elitrosh in the coming days will review. That's a bummer, man. That's a huge stinking bummer. So, okay. Well, no more needs to be said about Puck right now except to uh, Puck Park. and um, Or Park Puck. Did I say Puck Park? <laughs> Park Puck on your IL and, and maybe wait a little bit. Honestly, in like an NFBC situation, if you already drafted him, I mean, I guess Fab just ran last night, Sunday the 19th. So you have another week to kind of see where things are to maybe get a little bit more clarity. But if you had to cut him, if he was your only cut and there was somebody on the wire you wanted, I would understand. I, I really would. I really would. Uh, 56 and 57 both moved up too. And they're actually similar to Richards in puck. Uh, and you'll understand when I when I tell you who they are. Josh James would be the puck in this instance, not health-wise, um, as a young guy finding a spot. And then Nathan Ivaldi would be the Garrett Richards. Ivaldi moved up 29 spots to 57. James moved 23 spots to 56. So we'll start with Josh James. He is going to be in the rotation for Houston. Um, and I, I love the, I love the raw talent. You know, it's it's definitely something that's ready to go off. Um, even if my boy Jose Arquiti was healthy and ready to go, I believe he's dealing with COVID right now, James would still have an opportunity at a five spot. So he he's he's ready. Um, he's ready to have that spot. I do think that they could end up kind of uh, piggybacking him, maybe keeping him short on innings at the outset. So don't overdraft James. Um, and that's why I've got him here. I know some spots have uh, pushed him even higher. I can't really this is this is the peak for me right now until we really get an indication of, of what he might be doing. I uh, I have to I have to be a little bit more cautious with regards to uh, to James. As far as Ivaldi goes, again, same exact thing as um, as Garrett Richards. They're taking the reins off. He's the opening day starter. He's healthy right now. It could go sideways, but I'm going to bet on the talent. In in such a wild season where you know everything is going to just be bizarre. Um, just give me the most talent I can get. 
and yeah, there's there's risk, but find me find me a risk free pitcher that doesn't exist in a six month season. It doesn't exist in a sixty game season, and you know you balance that. You don't get stupid with it and be like, well, I'll take Nathan Eovaldi in the third round. No, of course not. You pay the fair price for him, but I don't mind um, trying to spike somebody. You know, trying to spike that big season from a from a Richards from an Eovaldi. I could take both and maybe another risk or two on the roster and just think that, hey, one of them's going to come through big for me. And if multiple do, then I have a real shot at uh, at having some great pitching. So I love Nathan Eovaldi. Um, he, he parallels Garrett Richards so easily as far as guys that I've liked in the past that I'm going to go ahead and take a shot on here in this, uh, in this shortened season. So those are the guys in the top 60 who have moved up. Now let's talk about some fallers. And uh, let's start the way we did with the risers. Let's go with the biggest fallers first. Although I will say that the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. The 10 biggest fallers all moved from 89 or lower. So I don't know how much coverage I really need to do on Julio Tehran, Jose Quintana, who had an injury. Uh, Tehran has COVID, by the way. Nick Pavetta, Zach Davies, Matt Manning, Davey Garcia, Drew Smiley, Sixto Sanchez, Gio Gonzalez, and John Lester. Like, what do you really need me to say? They were already fringe to begin with, and I just moved them fringier. So I'm not really going to get into those moves. I don't think there's a whole lot of fantasy information to be gleaned from that. Even the next one, Cole Hamels, is very obvious. It's health from 74 down to 98. And uh, he is going to start the season on the IL, so you can maybe move him even a little bit lower if you're really nervous. I understand not wanting to invite any of that injury risk, uh, or, or not even risk, any of that injury certainty onto your team from a veteran guy like Cole Hamels too. You know, if it's a if it's a premium hitter who's in his prime age, and and he's going to be on the IL, you know, supposed to come off pretty early into the season. Okay, that's one thing. But a veteran, old older starter like Hamels. Yeah, maybe you just say no thanks. We'll go ahead and not even go for it to begin with. If I think that's a big theory for Scott Pianowski about adding injury uh, at the draft table. Like, don't even go for it. I think he does it universally too. Like he doesn't he doesn't take on the guys who oh no they're gonna be back in two weeks because we don't know and we treat we as a fantasy community we treat timetables with way more certainty than they should get. Way 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 more. And, uh, yeah, with somebody like Hamels, I'm not even drafted him right now, so I maybe should have moved him even lower than 98. Next up is Daniel Norris. He also moved down 24 spots, down to 114. He has COVID right now. He went from 90 to 114, so he was already fringe, like I said, moved down even fringier. Again, a lot of these big moves down were on the fringes. Next up is Chase Anderson, Jacob Junis, Eric Lauer. They all moved down 23 spots, and Brett Anderson. They all moved down 23 spots. To 129, 172, 73, 70. Uh, wait, from 120 to 129, 171, 172, 173, respectively, from Chase Anderson, Junis, Lauer, and Brett Anderson. So, what do you really need me to say there? Not much. You really weren't drafting them to begin with, except maybe Chase Anderson in deeper leagues. And uh, he has, I believe, a shoulder right now that has him out. Let me let me confirm on that real quick. Oblique, oblique, oblique injury for Chase Anderson. Um, Masahiro Tanaka's next up, 21 spots down to 78. 
that's because he got drilled in the face by a batted ball from Giancarlo Stanton. So that's kind of a duh move. Things are progressing well, though. So if he falls too much in a draft, I could see going for him. I mean, it's a concussion. You don't want to mess with concussions. But it's not an arm injury, and, and things have been mostly po- – since it happened, it was devastating. You hate to see it. For me, I saw I saw the play once. I couldn't even watch a replay. I'm like, oh, one's all I need. That's horrifying. But as bad as this could have gone, it, it's going on the positive end of things. And he's slated to return in early August, which means he'll miss – uh, probably two weeks. So there is some time there. I would keep him down at, at least 78 for Tanaka, if not later. But if he starts going around the uh, 90th or later pitcher, starter, I think maybe you jump back in. That is that is one where I wouldn't necessarily be against um, adding the, the injury to the roster because it's not an arm injury. It's, it's something that's a little bit more finite um, with with the concussion time that he's going to miss. So hopefully everything continues to go well there with Tanaka recovering. Again, another four guys that are moved from the 100s deeper into the 100s. Fulmer, Sean Newcomb, Ian Anderson, Patrick Sandoval. They jumped down to 122, 174, 175, 137. So don't really need to cover that. A couple guys moving down 18 spots. Yanni Chirinos and Jeff Samarja to 84 and 94 respectively. With uh, Yanni Chirinos... Outside of Snell, Morton, and probably Glass now, depending on the price, I'm a little nervous on the pitching with Yarbrough, Torinos, Trevor Richards, a guy like Jalen Beeks, uh, Brendan McKay being there. They could do a lot of piggybacking. They already do interesting things in a standard season. What are they going to do? I mean, this is their playground. This is a Tampa Bay playground here with 60 games for them to mess around and do some do some really interesting stuff with. Uh, not only that, but uh, Chirinos had had COVID. He is recovering. He's supposed to be ready in time for the season, but I moved him down a little bit just because I thought maybe with the COVID, he might be um, used as more of an opener for two, three innings at the outset. Now, if he gets an opener, I completely reverse course. Same with Yarbrough. I would love if Trevor Richards and Jalen Beeks opened for those two. Because we saw it with Yarbrough. I mean, it's, it was one of the biggest pieces of fantasy gold in recent years that he wasn't getting the starts. So he's coming in in the uh, more critical situations, innings three through six, three through seven, when the win is decided. And so he went 16 and six. Hell, he went 11 and six last year. Now he started uh, more traditionally down the stretch, but only only 14 of his 28 outings were starts last year for Yarbrough and only six of 38 the year before. So he's 27 and 12 over his career. Torinos could be the same thing. So keep an eye on that. I would move him back up if I found out he was going to have an opener. Uh, Jeff Samarjo was the other one. That was more of just like, I like Shark. I do. I've been a fan, but I just wanted to peel back a little bit. I'm a little bit not even nervous. There's no nerves. It's it's. I'm a little bit cold. I'm a little bit tepid on the expectations for him because in a 60-game season, guys who are volume, they lose out. That um, this really undercuts their ability to have have a volume advantage because how much more are you really going to get than the pack? A start, maybe two, which yeah, can be a difference, but not so much to where I want to take somebody who is primarily a volume guy like Jeff Samarja. So I moved him down to 94. There are still scenarios where I would draft him. 
but I'm that's kind of me saying no thanks. Plus the West, the West is tough, man. If you're not on one of those good teams, uh, and they're decidedly not there with San Francisco, that is a bear. Because not only was your division already pretty difficult with the likes of uh, the Dodgers, Arizona, uh, having to go to Colorado. You know they might not be that good when you when they come to your park, but they're pretty good when you go to their park. And a uh, quality San Diego club on the rise, but they also added the AL West with Houston, Oakland, Texas, uh, the Angels, all being solid offenses. And then the Mariners, obviously, they're a bit of, they're a bit of a uh, rollover team, but those other four, my goodness. So yeah, I had to back off on Samarja uh, just because I'm not feeling it quite as much anymore. All right, now let's kind of talk about just some players that maybe caught y'all's eyes. Definitely ones that I kind of want to get my thoughts in on. I already hinted at Walker Bueller and the fact that he's not ramped up and ready to go. So I moved him down seven spots, which is a pretty massive move when you go from five to 12 because you're talking probably a couple of rounds there um and it really is based on that you know the fact that he's not ready to go off rip i think he's actually not even going to be included in the first um first trio of actually hang on do they have a trio or a quartet i think they might have a four pack against um against the giants here and he's not slated to be in any of them and that's now it's not a guarantee the the rosters are not set in stone but i mean you know if he doesn't pitch in any of those then he gets houston to open at houston and again these slight moves uh are huge i really think that they're a big deal at least going off of what i'm looking at here um and i'm looking at the the rotowire uh, projected starters. They got a great projected starters table here. And I'm looking at that now. They put a guy's name in bold when uh, when it's locked and loaded, who they're going to go against. And they don't have the two, three, four starters in bold, which is Stripling, Urias, and Wood. Bueller may get one of those starts. Bottom line is, though, is that he's not going to be having the reins off game one regardless. So I, th- I felt that it does, it deserved a move down he could have a piggyback which means he probably won't be in line for the win so i just i i I had to make a move there it's really nothing you know i love the talent but with these small uh with, with the with the shortened season every small little move matters and so most of the guys that are moved above him come from the central which i'm really favoring so clevenger bieber castillo Flaherty, but then also uh, teammate Kershaw as well as Blake Snell. They're all ahead of him now uh, when they weren't because he was fifth. And and now uh, uh, Strasburg as well. And now Bueller moves down to 12th. Um, another guy that moved down was Patrick Corbin. Now that was really guys moving ahead of him. That's not really anything against He did move down five spots. But again, uh, you got Kershaw and you got Kershaw. Castillo, excuse me, Castillo, Kershaw, Snell, Flaherty, Bueller. Bueller was already ahead of him, but now uh, moves closer to him. The other four, just four guys that I like a little bit better. Uh, again, nothing against Corbin. I still really like him. I would take him to, to lead a rotation for me. But the beast is also a little difficult, so a little bit of finagling there where I'm favoring guys in the central. 
and even between an east and a west, I'm going to favor the west. Now, Snell, um, Snell passed him, who's not, uh, who is also in the east. However, I like Snell pitch for pitch, you know, uh, more talent, uh, talent wise. I like him a little bit better anyway. So that's why he's ahead of Corbin. Uh, and then there aren't too many moves here. Sonny Gray moved up four spots. That's definitely a central based sort of thing. A bunch of two ups, two downs, four down for Nola. Um, that's a li- that's really more of a COVID type of thing. Now he didn't get COVID, but they had a COVID outbreak and, uh, he was exposed and had to quarantine. He tests negative. He's good. So he is the opening day starter, and he will face the Marlins. So, yeah, it was more – honestly, the, the four-spot move is less about um, COVID and more about the, the Beast East because, like I said, he, Nola did not have it. He was just around some guys on the team that, that had gotten it. Glass now moved down 10. That is entirely COVID-related, not to mention the fact of the team that he's on. You already have to be careful with the Rays as a general rule. Because they're not uh, they're not shy about about uh, you know man- maneuvering guys in and out. We've already talked about that. I mean that's been a prevalent thing well before a sixty game season. But then he arrived late to camp because of COVID, and so I had to drop him down ten spots. I love the talent. I really have come around on him. He's shown some things. Remember last year I was saying, show me, show me, show me. Well, even in a small sample, I do believe in in the gains in Glassnow's command and control. So I do believe in the arm, but I had to move him down. Um, and then moving into the 30s, Max Fried moved down five spots. Now this was on the little a little bit of heat about him maybe being piggybacked um, in, in a certain capacity. Now I see that he's being given the second game of the season. I can't even find where I saw it, so maybe I dreamt it. <laughs> but I swore I saw something about um, like even Soroka and Fried maybe being used together, which I thought. How could they, you know, I think that'd be a waste to use both of them in one game. I think that'd be a bad idea. But piggybacking him would have been rough, especially because I feel like he would have gotten the start. I felt like Freed would have gotten the start, so he's going to go to the 3-4 innings. But now it looks like he's going to be regular. Um, I'd move him back up to 27, to be quite honest. And then a bunch of one-ups, one-downs. I moved my boy Matt Boyd up six spots. That's. I, I felt like I was already a little bit lower on him comparatively and I always try to check myself with the Tigers to make sure I'm not overrating my guys obviously as a rebuilding team now it's a lot easier to to, to kind of make sure that I'm, I'm staying tempered on them there aren't that many fantasy draftable guys to be honest but I did go ahead and move Boyd up and he's at 38 now Julio Urias went down five just a little bit of uh, tempering my own, myself. I really like him, and I do think that they're going to give him a shot this year to be like a legit starter and give him five-plus innings each time out. But you never know with the Dodgers. And again, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Bruce Dargrad, all they have starter types there that they could pair with Urias, and that would be uh, that'd be rough, especially if they only let him go like four innings or even five. You know, five doesn't guarantee you a win. It makes you eligible for it, but it doesn't guarantee it. So yeah, just just a little tempering of my own uh, my own interest, but I am a huge fan of Arias still. Lance McCullers jumps up eight spots, just getting him more confident with the fact that he's back, ready to go. Uh, so I moved him up to forty three. Zach Wheeler down ten. This is entirely based off the fact that he may leave the team once his baby's born, which I would fully understand, but I have to account for that a little bit. So if he's not there in the forties for a starter. 
I'm likely to not get Zach Wheeler. Carlos Martinez goes down 11, and it's really like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of him at all. Um, maybe he shouldn't go down because even if he doesn't start, he's he, he'd likely close. So you're getting a fantasy-relevant player regardless. But I just, I don't know. He, he got pushed down with a lot, a lot of other guys moving up, and then I added a few spots to it to just put him at 50 and be like, I don't know. Love the arm, but I'm, I'm nervous about Carlos Martinez, so I've been kind of backing off there. Uh, Aaron Savali moved up five. That was central-based. I uh, love that love that mega central there and, and getting as many guys as I can. You guys already knew I love Savali. Even at 53, I was one of the high guys. So now at 48, I'm even higher uh, as far as Aaron Savali goes. Denelson Lamette down eight. I don't understand the hype on him. He's a one-pitch guy. I just I don't get it. He still can't get lefties out. I like the strikeouts, but uh, how, how, how is he so well-regarded? What, what's the path that gets him to a sub four ERA? Um, I don't know. And you know, if he does what he did last year, like a four Oh seven ERA with like a passable whip, I think he had like a one twenty. Yeah. Like a one twenty six. If he repeats those ratios with a ton of strikeouts, yeah, it's valuable. But the thing of it is He's a home run machine, too. Lomet has a career 1-4 homer per nine. Again, can't get lefties out. Walks too many guys. I I don't get it. I do not get it. So I'm, I'm pretty much down on him. I'm, I'm, I'm out on him pretty much as far as drafting him. Because at 58, as the 58th starter, I'm never getting to Nelson Lomet. Um, Jose Arquiti moved down because of COVID. Uh, once he kind of gets a clear, clean bill of health, I'll be back in if that's before my last draft, which is actually tomorrow. So it's not going to be, then I could get back in, but I don't, again, I don't think that's going to happen. Let me see if there's any news as of today for Kitty today being Monday, for those of you not listening to this, uh, right when I bring it out. Um, yeah, he's on the 10 day IL unspecified issue. Duh. We know what that is. Yeah, I don't know. I just we'll see where he goes. I could still draft him. I could still see myself drafting Arkiti, but I'm a little bit nervous uh, with regards to the COVID. I moved Manaya down. I had him at 58. I moved him down to 74. That was really more of just realizing that I was overrating him a bit, at least in, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe some people still really like him up there. I was just a little bit like, okay, let's bring it down a little bit, um, because even when he's pitching well. For Manaya, the the fantasy skills aren't really off the charts. He doesn't do any one thing. Well, I guess I guess he limits walks. He does do that quite well. And he had a twenty eight percent strikeout rate last year, but but the swinging strike rate moved up like half a percent from twenty seventeen and um, up only a, like two po- two points from twenty eighteen. And yet the strikeout rate was. Eight points higher than it had ever been. In other words, it didn't match up. But the fact that it was only 29 and two-thirds made it so that he could spike a big strikeout rate. So I just kind of down on Manaya. So I got him at 74 now. Um, move Masir Tanaka. I already talked about that. Move John Means. I actually moved John Means up to 79 despite being in the beast um, from 93 to 79. I just thought to kind of recognize the talent. Yes, it's a difficult division. He's on a, the worst team in that division. But he's a good pitcher. 
and and I do want to acknowledge that. So I'll kind of see what his schedule looks like, and if there are any soft spots that he can get. Obviously, there aren't many because he can't play his own team, um, and you can only play the Marlins so much. And like I said, I don't even hate the Marlins' offense. I think it's actually moderately difficult to face. So maybe I moved up too much, but I just wanted to acknowledge that John Means is a good pitcher. He's just in a rotten situation right now. Move Joey Lucchese down five. I've always been a Lucchese back. Well, I say always like he's been pitching forever. I've been a Lucchese backer, but there is some concern when you hear Eno talk about how he's like dead ass last in command plus and stuff plus, which means that his success insofar as he's had any 414 ERA, 125 whip has come on, um, on deception almost exclusively. You know, I don't know. I, I wonder if he's maybe somebody who just doesn't uh, categorize very well because of his weird arsenal. I don't know. I'm not fully out. I just moved him down a handful of spots, down five spots to 82. So I, I would still draft Lucchese because he's not. he doesn't really have much juice in the uh, draft market. So I'll be happy to take him. And then the last guy I'll bring up is uh, Jordan Montgomery. Moved him up five spots to 86. Even with Paxton back, um, there's a spot. There's a spot for Montgomery. Um, let me see. Yeah, that's even with Tanaka, too. So even if Tanaka's ready to go, you have Cole, Paxton, Tanaka, Hap, and then Montgomery because Domingo Herman is out um, with his suspension. So there's plenty plenty of room there for Montgomery to get another shot. It's been a while due to health, but I really like him and think that he could be a pretty strong asset. Like I don't think he needs to be babied innings-wise for Montgomery. Um, you know, he's shown some strikeout capability. I think there's a little upside to it too. He's a 22% career guy, but with a 12% swinging strike rate, I think, I think Montgomery could push a strikeout per inning and, uh, be with a mid threes and a decent, you know, one mid one twos or lower whip. So the ratios are solid, um, with a decent strikeout rate, but then a lot of win opportunity too. So he doesn't do anything, any one thing extremely well. Just the composite is really nice for Jordan Montgomery. So, uh, yeah, so that uh, that's going to cover it there. I covered a bunch of guys here as far as mo- moves up and down in my latest list. This will be the last one until the season gets going. If you have any questions, feel free to either leave them on the comment here on this podcast post or go to the updated SP rankings, which you can get to um, on the website. It's actually fantasy.fangraphs.com slash updated dash starting dash pitching dash rankings or if you go to the Rotographs blog on the sidebar there under positional rankings, click SP and leave the comment there or tweet me at Spore, you know, wherever you want. If you have any other comments on some of the pitchers who have moved, just let me know. But hey, those of you drafting this week, good luck with everything. And uh, we're not that far from baseball. Thanks for listening. Peace.